You talking to me? Back inside the screening room, and this week we are sequel-free. Last week, nothing but sequels. This week, three new ones. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are back, starting with Matt Damon, helping to defend the Great Wall of China against a horde of mysterious creatures in the Great Wall. I was born into battle. I fought for greed and gods. This is the first war I've seen worth fighting for. You've all seen this trailer, right? We've seen this trailer, right? And you think to yourself, what is Matt Damon doing in this movie? This movie looks awful. I don't know. Do we do we put too much stock in trailers? Because we really get affected by the trailers. And sometimes, like this one, it just looked awful. It really did. It really did. And I'm going to say, the movie's not good by a long shot. But it's not as bad as the trailer made it out. On the other hand, we've always said that why isn't there, or at least I've always said, I've always wondered why there wasn't an Oscar for a trailer. They do have some kind of awards for, for Adver- their own, yeah. It falls under advertising. Also for posters, for, for yeah. film posters. falls under advertising, which I suppose I can see because that's what it is. But sometimes a trailer can be so good, and then you see the movie, oh, they gave away all the best parts, <laughs> which is a common complaint, you know. But other times, when you're trying to make the movie seem as appealing as it can be, and this just made it seem like, to me, it seemed like another bad video game movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And, um... And honestly, the only thing that saves the film at all is director Yimu Zhang, which I did not realize he directed it when I went in there. And, He's got and style. Good Lord, he does. So if you've never seen any of his work, House of Flying Daggers, yeah. Hero, Raise the Red Lantern, he... The Road Home, he's visually, his films are absolutely glorious. And that is the only reason to see The Great Wall. It's colorful and vibrant and rhythmic and, and amazing to look at and, and act- stupid. <laughs> and actually, once I realized that, then I thought that might be the reason Matt Damon made this movie. You know, it's interesting you say that because one of the things that's weird about it is originally uh, it was supposed to be Henry Cavill and, and director Edward Zwick, which I think, oh, my God, that is just a that's turd a big, right there. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. But Damon plays a mercenary. of, And it's funny. It's like, I don't know, 900 A.D. So I understand you can't really have an American accent 900 A.D. since there was no such thing in American. The accent he has, I, I couldn't quite place. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. But he's part of a mercenary band, and they're looking to steal what amounts to gunpowder from the, 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 it doesn't exist yet in the world, but they know, they believe it's behind the Great Wall. And uh, they get killed off, he and his group, they get killed off by a bunch of other rogue mercenaries as they travel through China toward the Great Wall, and, uh, and there's only two left when they finally get there. Now, I'm asking myself, why didn't the monsters kill them when they were out there, and they were sleeping. And why did the monsters leave those other rogue bands alone? And why they, did they, they just hate walls? They were sleeping. Is it is it tall structures that frighten them? <laughs> but you know, and it's it, it, as video game. It's not a video game movie. It does have that feel about it. But yeah. when the monsters come calling, hordes and hordes and hordes of them. I mean, I've seen too many video game movies not to be able to say it looks better than that. Yeah. So I gotta, you know, if you're making a video game movie with a bunch of monsters, maybe give Zhang a call to go. How did you make <laughs> these guys look so cool? Um, <laughs> So the monster carnage is awesome. The colorful uh, warriors on the wall are amazing. There's so many really cool things to look at. The The story is idiotic. The performances are terrible. It's not a good movie. No, 
but somehow it benefits from those low expectations. It does. Of, it of, really, really does. Of the trailer. So maybe maybe trailers work a magic that we don't quite understand. There's a genius in the marketing there. Yeah. Uh, it's It was just one that, to me, was a little bit of, of a puzzle as to why Matt Damon, it did, not that he's above, you know, this type of movie, if it's good, it just seemed like something that he wouldn't do and, and usually doesn't do, I Agreed. guess. Agreed. Yeah. You, and you're right, he may have been attracted to to the idea of, of making a film with yeah. Yu Zhang. And, and I, I think in a lot of ways, people might think to themselves, why would this movie even get made? Well, let me tell you something. America is not the primary audience here. Right. If you make money, if your film does well in China, uh, I mean, Suicide Squad and, you know, um, Warcraft, horrible bombs, yeah. catastrophic bombs. They made a lot of money in China. China has a lot of people. They made a lot of money. <laughs> they have a lot and of And that's, you know, this movie is going to be a spectacular, colossal, amazing uh, moneymaker probably in China. And, uh, and so nobody cares if we see it here. But yeah, don't. And, and I wait and I wait and. I'm waiting for them to get to the part where they make Mexico pay for the wall, and yet it never comes. That joke is too easy. It's it is. too easy. I tried really hard not to say anything about that in my review, by the way. You know what? Speaking of um, Suicide Squad, what, what do we think of the news that Mel Gibson may direct the next Suicide Squad movie? Well, so uh, I'll give you this. Mel Gibson is a very, he very is. Good, He's a talented good director, director and, and an unhinged nutcase, seems, so that can't hurt. Seems like a mismatch, though. I don't I, know. I, well, I just hope they get better source. I mean, the yeah. first movie was so bad. It was bad. Such a waste of talent. It was bad. I, and, and it seems funny that he may be interested in that, but you never know. Uh, that news just came out. If you haven't heard, that news came out just in the last few days. That It's not a done deal, no. right? But it's a strong rumor that he yes. is up for, for directing the next Suicide Squad. So so we'll see. So not a recommendation, although, like the director, like the style, not a recommendation for The Great Wall. We'll lighten up the tone this time when the next movie has two teachers, and they have serious beef, and they are going to get in a fist fight. I'm going to fight you. I'm sorry, what? Parking lot. After school, it's on. Teachers don't fight. I want everybody to see this. 911, what's your emergency? There's a crazy guy at my high school. He's trying to beat me up. If you have a problem with a bully, I need you to speak to a teacher. I am a teacher. <laughs> I don't know. If you're like me, when you first saw that this movie was coming out, you thought, to your back to your own high school, and what teachers would I like to see fight? And uh, everybody's got their own couple of teachers where that would be a spectacle. And it certainly is in this movie. Sister Cleofa and Sister Angela. Yeah? Who was the smart money on there? Uh, Sister Cleofa. She was mean. Mean. Yeah. All right. Scrappy. Well, this, this is not a Catholic school. This is a public school. <laughs> Roosevelt High in Georgia. And it's the last day before summer break. And things are crazy. The kids, the seniors are pulling all kinds of senior pranks that are totally outlandish and illegal and would never happen. But, you know, they're funny. <laughs> And uh, Meek Mr. Campbell, the English teacher played by Charlie Day, uh, actually snitches on scary Mr. Strickland, the history teacher, after a, an altercation, an incident in Mr. Strickland's class. So, you know what? You don't do that because we know what you say about snitches. They, they get beat down on the playground, and they will probably require stitches at some point. <laughs> and uh, so they have beef, and, uh, it, of course, it spreads like wildfire through the school nowadays. The school paper is online, of mm -hmm. course, so they can switch the headline out very quickly, and the headline becomes "Why Mr. Campbell Will Die," <laughs> <laughs> because and and that right away is how they they ground 
the movie right away in the physical differences. I mean, Charlie Day is a little guy, and he's got that high-pitched wheeze, and the combination of that is usually funny in just the way he delivers things. And then Ice Cube has that very – he's not the biggest guy. He's solid, you know. Uh, he looks tall next to Charlie Day, but uh, he's got that menacing glare. Oh, and, sure. And both of these guys are in their comfort zone. They just play up that – both all those traits for all they're worth because Ice Cube to be very scary and Charlie Day to be very meek and diminutive leading up to this fight. So – you know, and they're likable. They're likable leads. They have chemistry. They have pretty good timing. And then you have, in any movie like this, just just uh, very similar to sitcoms, you need crazy side characters around in the universe. And this movie has those. A uh, Jillian Bell, so funny. If you don't know who she is, you'll <laughs> recognize her face and go, "Oh yeah, she's nuts. who's always nuts." She's the guidance counselor who is fond of drugs and her male students. And you've got uh, Tracy Morgan as the coach, uh, the uh, coach uh, Crawford who. I don't know what he's coaching, pretty much nothing. But he's playing, you know, Tracy Morgan. And you've got a, a bunch of other side characters throughout the school and these crazy senior pranks that keep going on. So it's funnier than, it, it's funny, it's just funny enough is what I should say. It's directed by a guy, he's an actor and he's in the movie. He's got a a, a small part. His name is Richie Keene. You, you recognize his face, but he's done a lot of TV directing, including Charlie Day's sitcom, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And this is, I believe this is his feature debut uh, and it kind of seems like sitcom directing until he gets to show some flair a little bit because it's funny once the the, the uh, news of the fight starts spreading through school you start hearing rumors from all the students about the murderous things that Mr. Strickland has done in the past he's got kind of a Kaiser Soze legend about him <laughs> and as the students tell some of these stories that you see them acted out in fantasy sequences uh, just played for the most excess that they could have and those are pretty funny and those get a little more style than just the, your basic by-the-numbers direction of, of kind of a guy that's used to working in sitcoms. So get a little bit of a flair there. But other than that, it just relies on extreme nuttiness. And it's an R-rated movie, and it earns it. This is an adult education. There is plenty of sex jokes, plenty. Uh, so it's, it's definitely an, an R-rating. But, you know, if you like that kind of humor, and I do, and we do usually, uh, it's not a laugh riot. But it scores just enough to make it to make it worthwhile. It's not something you're going to remember anytime soon, but or too long after the movie. But uh, it gets just enough just enough laughs in there to make it, like I said, to make it worthwhile and to give it a, a barely passing grade. You know, if we're gonna <laughs> gonna say that in the school uh, in the school terminology. But and this is one I think maybe the re the reverse or maybe I should say similar to the Great Wall. I didn't really expect too much about this. You see the you see the trailer. You see the premise. It's a little slight, uh, you know, oh, yeah, fist fight, like they're really going to fight. Well, they really do fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, you can imagine how that might go. But, and, of course, there are, they give you know, some how-do-you-do lessons. You know, Charlie Day gets a speech about the state of teachers and how they're treated today. And, of course, you can expect the meek guy to grow a spine and to start standing up for himself. Yeah, 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 that's all well and good. But let's get to the next gag because that's what this movie is about. And there's, there's just enough in there. So uh, Fist Fight, you know, it has some laughs. All right. And next up in the screening room, one that we've been tentatively looking forward to. It's an ambitious young executive sent to retrieve a company's CEO from a mysterious wellness center. It's a cure for wellness. Welcome back, Mr. Lockhart. Signs of concussion. Depleted immune system. I would like to recommend a treatment. Think of it as a cleansing of the mind. 
as much as the body. Some patients experience visions. But rest assured, it's just the toxins leaving the system. I said no one ever leaves me. What happens to them? I saw the bodies. Listen to yourself. You're not a well man. You're trying to make me think I'm insane. What's happening to me? It's all part of the cure. There is no cure! Accept the diagnosis, and you will see it. It's wonderful here. Gore Verbinski has made some bombs. He has made some bad films. I'm looking at you, Lone Ranger. But he's interesting. I, I'm always I'm always up for what it is he's going to do next, unless it's another one of those damn pirates movies, right? So <laughs> there's I one mean, coming. Rango, I loved. It came from Rango, field, but yeah. The Ring. You started me off with The Ring, and I thought, okay, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to see what you have coming. And uh, and I liked the, the again the trailers for this movie, A Cure for Wellness. Looked very very creepy. I'm opposed to this this the uh, marketing hook of taking a, a great old fast song and slowing it down to its creepy creepy well it's elements. overdone it's so overdone but they now. do it with the ramones i want to be sedated in yeah. this one and i thought you it know what the i'm movie. in yeah I'm it, in. Fit, it fits the movie but that I'm, I'm with you that has that shark has jumped the shark twice now I think, <laughs> since since it's uh, started to been used but yeah this one you talk about creepy and the thing that once we got into it because i think you like this movie more than i did i didn't like it at all yeah you um, hated it i think the, the phrase the thing that kept coming to mind barely 20 minutes into it. Remember that line in The Silence of the Lambs about he's describing Buffalo Bill as being desperately random? I thought this was desperately creepy. It just kept wanting to, ooh, look how creepy we yeah. are. Look at this. Ooh, creepy? Isn't this creepy? And, and, and after a while, and, it's just like, come on. And I think random is another good word for it because so this film, which is about, so Dane DeHaan, who's kind of, if you ask me, he's like uh DiCaprio's, you know, anemic younger brother. Yeah. You know, he's like he's a almost homely DiCaprio, which is fitting if you've seen Shutter Island. Because, I mean, this this follows so many paths that you've seen, but it never brings them together. So, right. so Dane DeHaan goes to the Swiss Alps, where then all of a sudden it takes kind of a Nazi feel turn about it. Like, oh, it's this medical center, and look at how white. It's the whitest movie I've ever seen in my life. And he comes off as so young. He's, an, yeah. he's a rising executive in this financial company. And he's, when he's meeting with the board, it looks like he's talking to his grandparents. Yeah. Anyway, they send him to retrieve this other executive who has gone off at this wellness center and written a letter that says he's never coming back. Well, they need him. Actually, they want to scapegoat him, really, is what they want to do because the firm is in trouble. But they need him to they sign some papers, so they yeah. need to bring him back for a couple of days uh, to get this plan in motion to save the company. So that's why uh, Dane DeHaan's character, Mr. Lockhart, goes there to, to find this guy uh, who doesn't want to come back. But, yeah, he, he looks so, so young in the midst of everything and uh, it just starts from the from the almost the very beginning, trying to give you as many creepy shots as it possibly can. Now there are some very cool shots there are. in the beginning, but then even that for me started to become an overload. Okay, are we what? showing off? Why are we doing this? I know they 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 overdo everything. You know, in a movie like this, so he so it basically it, and I mean, it's not an uncommon concept. It's a perfectly sane man, 
and through no fault of his own, he winds up a patient in an insane asylum, and then of course he can't get out because he's considered an actual patient, and, and therefore he's mad. And then you I don't know, know about no fault of his own. I well, thought that was a little, but anyway, go ahead. But the the point is, uh, is this that that sort of muddy area where, or is he crazy, right. or is he not crazy? And and that's the tension, and that's the tension in a lot of different films. So then they layer on all of these other sort of Cronenberg idea. A lot of eels. There are a lot of eels in this movie. You got some Cronenberg in there. You got some Kubrick in there with this big vista, yes. panoramic, gorgeous shots. Again, there's the Scorsese in there. There's, I mean, it's but the so long, it's and they so never pull these ideas together. Two ever. and a half hours, and I thought, yeah, those shots like you're talking about, they're they're Kubrick wannabe shots. To me, uh, they're yeah Cronenberg body horror type stuff. But it's all just to me a, a weak imitation, and and not that he can't be a good director, he can be, and and again some of these shots are fantastic, but the more they piled on, it just seemed to me like an exercise in just in in, in excess because That's they didn't the really lead to no. anything cohesive, and no. it's, like you said, it's oh my lord, it's two and a half hours long, and it seems like three and a half. And here's the thing: is is Verbinski's work? I mean, it's death by self indulgence. Yeah, he takes like the Lone Ranger was two and a half hours long. The yeah. last two, yeah, come on, uh, parts of the Caribbean movies that he made were two. If you're making a movie based on a Disney theme ride, <laughs> it should not be over <laughs> ninety minutes. Well, That'd be longer than the line to get on that ride. <laughs> but and the other thing is, if you're going to do that, the payoff better be worth it. Mm-hmm. And to me, the payoff that was a cheat. The payoff here was just silly. Yeah, just silly. Yeah, some beautiful shots, shot making, but early on to me, it, it, it I kept thinking about that phrase: desperately random, yeah. desperately creepy. Because you watch again, we're going back to the trailers. You watch the trailer, and there's some creepy stuff yeah. going on. You're like, wow, ooh, what's that? And it. They just wanted to keep giving you those type of visuals without anything to tie them without together. anything to tie them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think a, a big disappointment for and you even liked it better than I did. Yes, I didn't like it though. <laughs> I have I, I have a, a far uh, higher tolerance for bad horror than you do. Yeah, I mean I'm happy to sit through bad horror for days on end. So I didn't <laughs> mind that I was watching it. Well, but to me I this didn't was like it. Okay, near the end, it, it was borderline horror yeah. i think it's a mystery it's a thriller and that's the other thing the mystery you get into the oh he it's one of those mysteries where once this guy gets here oh now that he's here the clues suddenly just start appearing like you but trip over them that, uh even that it doesn't lead anywhere <sighs> it really doesn't yeah. lead anywhere oh it's just idiotic. yeah disappointing for the cure for wellness and another one that's it's been out in some markets for a few weeks oscar nominated finally getting to more markets uh here this week and can't recommend it highly enough it's a documentary called i am not your negro it is again it's it's oscar nominated and uh i don't know if it's the favorite but it it should be. It's a strong documentary category this year, I really will say. And uh, this basically is a movie about author James Baldwin and his unfinished book from the, ni- the late 1970s called Remember This House. And it is a kind of a, a look inside his head. Mm-hmm. And what a head to be inside. Oh because if you're not familiar with James Baldwin, what an intelligent, not only an intelligent mind, a great thinker, but such clarity of thought. Uh, when he's speaking probably about anything, but here about race relations and civil rights in America. Mm-hmm. Incredible uh, how he can not only in his writings, but just in off-the-cuff remarks. Yeah, that's, I think, what's amazing. Because, I mean, he's a, he was a brilliant writer, obviously, and his prose is being read. 
during the course of the film, of course. But it's it's the it's the images, it's the it's the footage of him, and they're not so much the rehearsed speeches, but just the responses to people. Just the again, just just to have that kind of clarity of thought to be able to just to to be able to just bring up such incredibly in just precise points that are are shattering to an argument. It is amazing. Yeah, and most of the content comes from the 60s and the 70s, a lot of it the 60s, but it's so relevant for today. And director Raul Peck, who you may remember from sometimes in April, uh, wastes no time in letting you know with some current footage that he's, at the time, Baldwin was speaking of his own times, but he is speaking directly to ours and what is going on now, and it's so relevant, it almost slaps you upside the head. Yeah, it's true. And uh, and when it's not uh, archival footage of Baldwin talking, it, again, it's 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 his own prose as read by Sam Jackson in, and uh, what a wonderful job he does! Not the kind of bombastic, sassy Sam Jackson you're used to. He really, he but, really dials it down. It's very reserved and hushed, and there's there's pain yeah. in the delivery. It's beautifully. It's a great delivery because. The voice you're used to with Sam Jackson would have been a colossal mistake. Oh and, of my. course, he knew that. Of the course. director knew that. And it's so effective the way he reads uh, the way he reads the passages and then the, so effective the way the film is put together. And that's I Am Not Your Negro. By all means, uh, look it up if you can. That's out in more markets. I think it's opening in more markets uh, this, this week. This week and next. Although it's technically a movie from last year because it is Oscar-nominated. So uh, look for that one if you can. This week, opening uh, on DVD and streaming and Blu-ray and all that, we've got Arrival, which is Oscar-nominated, and one that we really liked, maybe not as much as everybody else, but right. that's not to say we didn't like it. We did. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, you know, uh, Amy Adams, a lot of people are, are concerned that she didn't get an Oscar nomination. I, I thought she was great. I thought Jeremy Renner was great. I thought most of the cast was great. And it's a sci-fi movie about aliens, uh, you know, arriving. But it goes in very unusual ways. Uh, it takes you. It's very, very thoughtful. Yeah, it's Dennis. De, it's Dennis Villeneuve, who's a, a favorite director of ours. Very good, and um, it is very thoughtful. And for some people, it's going to be slow, a little slow. But I thought it was it was pretty effective. And uh, again, maybe not quite. I don't know if I would have nominated it for best picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's. I certainly understand it. I certainly yeah. understand it being nominated, and it's not a, a great injustice by any means. So, no. so that's a good one. Another one out uh, this week on video, The Edge of Seventeen. And this one was a bit of a surprise because, yeah, it's a teen comedy, but it's better than most teen comedies. And it's driven by a really great lead performance by Haley Steinfeld. One-time Oscar nominee. You may remember her. She was nominated when she was a child for True Grit, yeah. the, the Coen Brothers. Which I think was her debut. Uh, it may have been. She was very young. She was maybe 12 or but 13 years old. But she's great here. She's good in everything. She really is. She's solid. And she has some great She has some great scenes with Woody Harrelson, yeah. who plays her one teacher that she goes to, I guess, to confide in a little bit. And he just can't be bothered because it's, you know, high school is so much about drama. And all you know is your own world. And this is it. This is the most important thing that's going on in the world today. And he just wants her to know. That's not even on my radar, you know, and their scenes together are great. They really are. It's, you know, the the film, I mean, it it, it treads nothing but familiar ground. Right. I mean, it's very much John Hughes' film for today, but it takes some chances. It's f- more frank about it many really is. of those things. Yeah. It's a bit more honest. Uh, the comedy is a little more raw, you know, and I think where I was most disappointed is, 
I, I, I guess I then I didn't want it to continue to follow the pattern. I thought, okay, well, you've burst these ideas here and there. And yet, as things progress, you think, oh, no, it's going to be tidy and yeah. it's going to follow the same pathway. But on the whole, I mean, it's it's much better than the average. It is. What they serve up to teens about high school. Yes. Much better, much more smartly written, much better performances. But in the end, I mean, it, it to me, it was it was uh, uh, still a bit too by the numbers. Yeah, very much. The, the, the conflict is driven by Haley Steinfeld's character when she discovers that her longtime best friend is suddenly and only friend and only friend is suddenly dating her brother so there there's the conflict there but yeah I, I think frank is a good word it really has a frankness about it i appreciate it but again i agree that in the end maybe a little too much by the numbers but not enough to avoid it definitely like the edge of 17 and another one boy that's out this week on video that nobody saw and this is one that uh we we are we were sad that the lead actress here didn't get nominated for an Oscar because she deserves it. It's um, a movie called Christine, and the actress is Rebecca Hall, and she's playing a TV news anchor from the 1970s, Christine Chubbuck in Florida, who you may have heard the story. She actually committed suicide on the air, mm -hmm. and this is the story that leads up to that, but it's a story about her life and uh, her troubles, and Rebecca Hall is just fantastic. She really is. I, it, you know, um, it's, a, it's a difficult character because... She, she obviously has some mental problems, and yet, uh, you know, Hall makes her very human. I mean, there's nothing one-dimensional about this characterization. And what's interesting is that it leads to a certain scene where, for those around her, or those around this character, it's as if, no, she's finally figured it out. Everything's fine. We're going to be great. I understand what the conflict is. I'm going to resolve this problem. And it is the eeriest scene I've seen in a film this year because... We know that's not what this means. It's and oh, you know, and Rebecca Hall is always good. She yeah, is always she is. good. She's always solid. And she's so masterful in this movie. Yeah, so some good stuff to look for on video and Blu-ray this week. We've got a few coming next week. One we've been looking forward to because it's a horror movie and it's Jordan Peele from Key and Peele. His Get Out is coming soon, so we look forward to that one. That was next week. Plus, My Life is a Zucchini, one of the surprise Oscar nominees for Best Animated Film, right, not one that a lot of people have heard no, of. No, that's going to get a wider release this coming week. And The Girl with All the Gifts Looking is going to get to that. released. Not nationally, but in different areas. And Glenn Close is in a zombie movie, so count me in. <laughs> and another one, I don't know, Nicholas Holt and Felicity Jones, a movie called Collide. Yeah, so, with mm. uh, with Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, so but it looks like it's probably going to be terrible. But that's a good cast. <laughs> it is a good cast, so we'll see about that. That is next week. Anything about this week, you want to keep that conversation going, things you've seen, things you want to see, uh, please let us know. Love to hear from you on Twitter is the best way. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Facebook. Easy to find at Mad Wolf Columbus. And uh, all the reviews in written form, uh, breaking the movies down a little bit more, is madwolf.com. That's our website. So uh, until next week, this Screening Room podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. And I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Mad. And this is the Screening Room podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner.